0: Welcome to the Integration Station, your go-to paediatric occupational therapy podcast run by the OTFC group. The Integration Station strives to support and empower parents, caregivers and therapists involved with the neurodivergent community and connect listeners from around the globe to explore and celebrate the role of air sensory integration and occupational therapy. Dino and I will be joining guests to discuss a bit about their professional and personal life, share stories, and engage in conversations to provide an insight into the people we are fortunate to meet every day. While Dino is not with us today, he will certainly be joining us for future podcasts. However, we thought we'd return to our roots and have a chat with one of OTFC's most loved and longest-serving OTs, Tyson Clarsen-Smith, this year marks Tyson's 10th year at OTFC. Father, amateur carpenter, and mentor to many, Tyson has been such an important part of OTFC for many years. From the three rooms at Weymouth to the three sites across Adelaide, Tyson has been through it all. Loved by his families and staff alike, Tyson embodies the values of OTFC and OT in general. I'm glad we finally convinced him to talk, so everyone else can get to love Tyson. Tyson, thank you for coming in.
1: Thank you. That was a wonderful introduction. I <laughs> hope I can try and live up to that one.
0: Oh, look! I spent a bit of time putting that together, so hopefully it, um, you know, um, if if you want to, I can give you a transcript of it, and you can have a have a read back of it later. It's just a, it's just a snippet of achievements. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> okay, we thought the best way to find out a bit more about Tyson was to have a chat, get to know a bit about background. History school, YOT. What shaped you to become the person you are today, and uh, what got you into OT in the first place? Uh, also, can I just clarify pronunciation? Is Tyson Claassen Smith? It is Tyson Claassen Smith. Two A's and two S's. Two A's and two S's, and I'll spell it till I die. <laughs> Do you get lots of spelling errors? On or, or strange? What's the strangest one you've had?
1: Um, probably the most frequent would be like Clarkson, Clarkson, yeah, mm. which I think is a fa- like a, a pretty popular like glass company. So I mean, uh, I look forward to the sweet, sweet coin rolling in off of that. I I would say also
0: there are links to Jeremy Clarkson. So oh, yeah, we related. might avoid that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> dodge that controversy. Yes, yeah, so
0: maybe we won't mention about him again. But um, but no, in all seriousness, uh, for those who who know you, they might have a bit of an insight into this. But for those that don't, um. Give us a bit of a, a background and and what makes Tyson Tyson.
1: Um, born and raised in the northern suburbs. Uh, yeah. I went to Salisbury Downs Primary School, then Salisbury High School. Uh, there wasn't a strong push at that time uh, in regards to sort of looking at uh, tertiary education. Um, so I had an opportunity to, I suppose, take a bit more... Uh, investigative role in that regard uh, because they didn't really have the supports in place to make those decisions. So we were left with the wonderful book of different careers that you could choose in year 12 and had to have a read through of all those. And OT sounded like it was probably going to be a good one. And I suppose it was just a roll of the dice, really. I didn't have any particular experience um, with it apart from uh, when I was, I think, 18 months old, uh, my mum and dad took me to an OT at the Women's and Children's Hospital because I wasn't walking. And uh, their reflection on it was that it was quite a uh, simple process of the OT convinced them to put stickers up a wall or up a glass door. Um, and I had to try and pull to stand to reach them. So it was a pretty simple solution to get me uh, moving about. <laughs> um, but yeah, ultimately, it was just trying to find a a field that I would want to help people and and make a difference. And I felt like the allied health field in general, whether it be speech, physio, OT, uh, was going to be where I was going to end up. Uh, I liked the fact that OT had a pretty broad range as far as age and um, intervention methods. And I think that was something that appealed to me, Um, which I think, yeah, helped me make the decision to go down the OT road. I didn't really know what I was doing. Uh, Until I started and luckily stumbled across a career that's pretty awesome. Mm.
0: Interesting. So in terms of working with with children then, was that something that when you were uh, studying that there was an interest there or had you always had a a preference to working with kids?
1: Um, Yeah, I had a lot of uh, second cousins. So pretty much every family gathering, I was in charge of... uh, Crowd control. Crowd crowd control and entertainment, the the free family clown. Um, But for me, I always found that... uh, yeah, I got along better with uh, kids than adults anyway. I found it difficult to engage in long-winded conversations about mm. weather and politics and uh, enjoyed playing uh, hide-and-seek-and-tag a lot more. So maybe that reflects more on my social skills, but <laughs> it uh, certainly set me up for a, uh, a career in paediatrics.
0: I know certainly when I've talked to Dino, he's, he has made that comment as well about he finds it easier to engage with children than adults at times. And, um, you know, is that... A good thing or a bad thing I don't know but I certainly certainly can reflect and and share that experience with yourself as well so um, okay when you left uni did you feel as though you you left with a sense that you had uh, an idea of what it would be like to work with with children or working in pediatrics
1: Um, I was very lucky in fourth year to have a placement with three different supervisors across um, both community-based and um, school-based settings and um, one of those was with uh, Kevin Stevenson who used to work at OTFC Mm. um, and very very experienced SI therapist Um, and for me I think that was sort of the time at which I felt the most capable and the most successful um, in what I was doing but also it I suppose it it brought the most opportunities for sort of flexibility and playfulness which was obviously significantly easier to engage especially much more anxious and um and challenge clients at that time so
0: so and kevin myself as well having had a placement experience with kevin almost a a um a convert sorry i should say to, to a integration um someone who um came in to OT from a completely different field, yeah. Um, but was so taken by the teachings of SI and the theory and practice, and certainly imparted that on yourself, and I know myself, hence why we're both here. Yeah, um, Was that your first introduction to SI, and, and was that what sold you? Was it how he did it, or was it the the, the way that SI um, is and, and the theory and practice of SI?
1: I think um, both. He was definitely a, a very infectious personality. Um, his passion was uh, just... Absolutely unmatched as far as um, making SI, uh, I don't know, a really positive and engaging therapy style. I found that... Um,
0: it wasn't his Northern English Newcastle uh, the accent the, at the all? The accent's
1: always going to get us <laughs> over the line as well. Um, his his neuro knowledge was absolutely astounding. I remember many times being sort of stuck having absolutely no idea to answers to questions that I felt like I should, but he was very patient, kind and supportive in that regard. Um but yeah, I, th- I think ultimately that being the, the first time that I had any idea of what sensory integration was and then sort of over the nine-week placement, uh, feeling a lot more sort of secure and comfortable within that um, and seeing quite effective progress over that time, even with some of the clients that I had.
0: So what what is it that makes SI effective for you? How have you felt that it has matched the way that you like to treat?
1: I think for me it's the, I suppose, the flexibility and the motivation. Um, It provides an opportunity for us to enter into a a therapeutic relationship with children at whatever level they're at, whether they're exceptionally capable and we're supporting something as simple as um, sort of sensory regulation all the way to the point of where they might have severe gravitational insecurity and we're trying to support them over a long period of time to achieve something what others might seem as quite simple. Mm. Um, But the actual sort of method is, is so flexible and so customizable to each client that I think just makes sense that it works it's it's something that is fun and engaging, so automatically you've got a a sales pitch to i suppose help convince children to do something that they maybe don't feel overly comfortable with um and and just the the joy of i suppose as we've learnt in many trainings bringing the art and the science together to try and use something creative like a play theme and then somehow manage to intertwine it elegantly with something like supporting postural control and balance. Uh, but in a way that it just doesn't seem like they're doing therapy; it just seems like they're playing. Mm. Um, and and seeing it done by people that are uh, far more experienced than myself, it's just amazing to watch the f- the fluidity in sessions and the the absolute flow that ex- that they experience. It's it's a marvel to watch. The the, the thing
0: I'd say about in, in Australia in particular is that I know um, you know pr- prior to Dino, Veronica was quite a, um, a strong advocate of SI, and and, and Dio, Dino has really. Um, I guess carried that that flag and has, has made SI particularly in Adelaide um, what it is uh, with the lack of awareness or increasing awareness, but the, the lack of awareness and, and that history. Um, do you see SI um, therapy ha- has changed over time? Do you do you feel in your time working as an OT that there's there's been a greater awareness or a greater understanding of its its theory, its practice, and and I guess. Being um, justified as an effective treatment strategy,
1: I, I do feel like it's being accepted more widely. I think um, my concern is definitely while more people are engaging in SI making sure that we maintain the same level of quality and rigor in how we go about uh, how we go about delivering this as a service because ultimately anyone can, badge that they're doing something sensory based Mm. um but trying to make sure that um, everyone is receiving the same high level of training and support from experienced therapists and that we're able to deliver something that deserves the um deserves the rigor and 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 the success that we're seeing in a lot of the the trials that i'll be doing
0: i know we have talked in the past about um i guess the OT field and and the OT field itself as quite a collaborative, quite a supportive uh, profession. Um, but I also know that we have had discussions around sensory based or sensory strategies or what sensory is, and a lot of a a lot of OT saying they are doing sensory strategies, and then when you have a look at it, um, it is, I guess, what we consider a a, a light version of what sensory integration is. How do you have that conversation with other OTs but also ensure that it doesn't impact the profession.
1: I suppose I mean for for me it, in my head it comes across as a bit of a marketing problem really to try and make sure that ultimately the the product I suppose <laughs> quotations mm-hmm. that we are, that we are sort of as pitching as something that we think is worthwhile is something that has a differentiation from something as simple as like a uh, just a completing a sensory profile versus what we're doing, where we're providing a comprehensive assessment combination with interviews with parents and observations with children in sessions, and like it, it's something that you um, need to be quite comprehensive with. Um, but I think we also need to take Ownership over it, and make sure that if people are claiming to do something sensory related, that they're also very clear about what mm. they're providing, um, because otherwise it might muddy the waters, and it could definitely change others' opinions of what is sensory integration. Um, I mean, whether they be in the field or external to the field, like obviously our interactions with all other allied health professions and teachers and parents alike, if if their only experience with sensory-based therapy is something that doesn't represent ASI in its truest form then maybe that might skew their opinions as to what SI can provide.
0: Where do you see the future of SI therapy Um, and for a space like OTFC plus for those that don't know is for teenagers young adults and I guess a bit more of a hybrid of what SI therapy and uh, more functional skills can provide where where do you see SI therapy moving forward and and for a place like plus do you see that something that model being uh, applied and and rolled out in in the future
1: I'm very hopeful for the future of SI Um, we're very lucky to be working at a time where there is pretty strong leadership uh, again, coming mostly from the US, but but still plenty of presentation here in Australia. Um, and having having those people with the drive um, to be able to put in horrendous amounts of hours um, to make our main intervention uh, approach something that is respected not only within OT but but within the allied health community overall, I think gives us more confidence in the tools that we use um, but it also provides opportunities for future training in regards to assessments in regards to therapeutic intervention um, which is only going to make us better as therapists um, i think having the opportunity to work within the plus space gives us context um, in the understanding that while asi is an excellent approach it isn't the only approach um, and trying to unpack I suppose when it is a useful tool and maybe when we need to then start looking at uh, maybe some more traditional methods around skill development, um, especially in regards to functional tasks like self-care. And I think it's sort of to get stuck in one framework would, I think be uh, detrimental to the progress that um, our clients could sort of make in that regard. So, yeah, I think always always knowing that we are OTs first and ASI-based therapists second and that there are many other frameworks that we can use that can be helpful. Um, and sort of while it is something that we're known for, we can just as quickly go up to the kitchen and try and support somebody to make a simple meal as we would go out into the Plus Park and have a fantastic time swinging on the hammock swing to build their postural control and bilateral skills. <laughs>
0: So turning back to some other personal things, I mean, I know we've talked a bit about OT, but, but for you personally, you know, what are, some, what are some core values you have? What what are those values that you hold on to and, and how have they shaped your life and how you go about things?
1: Um, I think probably the most re- relevant and prevalent in my in my experience in work, especially is sort of caring for others and, and doing my best to help other people. Um, I think having the opportunity to be alongside our clients and families and be sort of let into their lives in such a personal way um, is quite humbling and um, being quite respectful of the fact that we are in a very, I don't know, a very special place to be able to support them but also have them trust us enough to tell us things that are very personal and, and, and often very challenging and... Um, I don't know, it it fills me with uh, a large sense of gratitude but also a, a pretty strong responsibility to be able to take that role seriously um, and do everything I can to help. Um, I think having a very strong base around sort of family and what family means and how it is not always a simple thing. Family can be complex, it can be challenging um, and I think seeing all the the different ways of doing family um with all the clients that I've worked with for me it sort of highlights while it's an everlasting bond, it can be actually quite complex and quite challenging um but for me personally, I'm very lucky in this fact that I'm very well supported. I have a loving wife and a beautiful son, and my parents are very much involved in my life also so for me it's um it's a, it's a big, big source of gratitude um, mm. and support uh, for which I'm very, uh, very lucky to have.
0: And in terms of that, I guess I, I know at times I often look for perspective to keep me grounded. Um, and often it comes from, you know, stories about the challenging times a family are having. What, what's, is, is it, is it that that's your perspective? What gives you perspective in, in your life?
1: I think, I think definitely, I think sort of A lot of the times, um, like I'll come home after work and and maybe my son sort of uh, having some challenges engaging with simple bedtime routines. And I I suppose in that context, external to having that input, I would become sort of quite irritable and quite frustrated. Uh, But having the opportunity to work with people who would be delighted if that was the Mm. only challenge in their day, it's sort of, I suppose... Um, gives us a really good opportunity to go, you know what, this is tricky. It's not hard. It's not taking away from that. Um, But going, it could be a lot harder um, and it could be a lot more challenging and sort of going, yeah, okay. It it gives you that opportunity to, I suppose, stop and think and go, isn't that bad? No, it's not really. Like, Mm. uh, It it stops you from biting um, and, and gives you that opportunity to have a little perspective and a little bit more patience, which I'm horrendously grateful for because I think, My parenting experience would be a lot more challenging without that. Uh,
0: As a parent yourself, as you mentioned, um, how do you keep that energy? and balancing work whilst also keeping a space for your for your family what what things do you put in place
1: um i'm very lucky to have the opportunity to live a pretty low-cost lifestyle um <laughs> so <laughs> this uh hard with a child yeah it's, it's gonna get more expensive i'm sure <sighs> um but um this gives me the opportunity to work um three-day week which was a difficult decision to mm. make because obviously it restricts my opportunities to be able to engage with clients but it also allows me time to be with my family but also the energy to be able to maintain my sort of passion and my persistence within a job that can sometimes be quite taxing. Um, so, yeah, for me, I think that's probably the one of the key drivers. Um, the other is obviously um, just really enjoying and valuing the time that I have with my family and um, sort of having many, I suppose, challenging moments in life that give you – pretty decent perspective of how short life can be um and sort of making sure that i'm valuing that time as much as i can in between watching something on netflix or yeah. <laughs> well that's the other sleeping. thing
0: is, isn't it is it's trying to when you talk about that that balance you mentioned um a bit about you know um things that you do to keep you, to fill your cup for want of a better term you have a few hobbies in in particular your woodwork um can you tell us a bit about those and how they help you actually switch off from work
1: um i think um th- the biggest thing that i gain from something like woodwork is the Im- probably the immediacy and 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 response of something quite um quite proximal it's something that you can put hours into and you get sort of a very direct and specific response and i think that can sometimes be something that's difficult in the job role that we do we're working with clients for for years at a time to make um to make progress and that can be again very rewarding but it can also be challenging because you're you're playing the long game mm. um whereas something like woodwork i can sort of enter in my delightful zen space of i mean in no way actually having any skill but <laughs> Persistent, persistently, don't underrate yourself
0: mate I've seen some of your stuff it's pretty good thank
1: you persistently <laughs> hammering away at something until you um, until you have success um, which I think is nice and sort of I suppose it brings a different level of creativity than what we do within our day it's sort of a, a slower pace of chin scratching and trying to figure out how we're going to achieve success with something often within a pretty restrictive budget, um, which mm. I enjoy too. But yeah, I, th- I think it's sort of, it, it's the contrast. It's the contrast from, from the workplace. It's something that moves at a much slower pace, um, but also the, uh, the repercussions are far, far less. <laughs> yeah. If I make a mistake, it's only me that's gonna see the mistake because uh, nobody else seems to notice them. Um, but yeah, it's very enjoyable.
0: So what is the biggest challenge for you as a
1: clinician? I think knowing knowing whether I'm ever enough, knowing that I'm doing enough, knowing that I have enough skills, I think it's an intrinsic drive to push ourselves and to continue to be better and learn more and train and um, challenge ourselves. But I suppose knowing that inherently OT seems to continually draw out the perfectionists within the community... Uh, we we always seem to have a delightful capacity to focus on the one thing that didn't go well in a day and maybe spend less time focusing on the ten things that were pretty awesome. Um, and I think again, while it's a fantastic driver, it can be quite challenging to uh I don't know, take the take the intrinsic joy from something. Like a lot of the time if something bad happens we'll blame ourselves. Uh, but if something good happens, we're very quick to offload. The positive positive and going oh yeah but that that was the teacher did a fantastic job there in helping managing their regulation and maybe that was because the psychologist recommended this and and very likely they're all 100 percent related and uh, that's the case but i think um yeah just trying to trying to find the balance of celebrating the wins and knowing that we're doing enough while also balancing that with extending ourselves and continuing to grow
0: So we've talked a little bit about therapy in general. One thing I would say is the impact of COVID. Now, it's pretty topical. Um, over the past two and a half years, has your view of the way you deliver therapy changed? Um, and and what impact has COVID had, not just on you um, as, as a therapist, but also say on, on your family and your work and, and life balance there?
1: Um, I think... For me, early on, it was probably one of the first times that I felt really quite anxious about what therapy was going to look like. It was the first time that we'd really had to consider an alternative way of delivering what we do Um, and sort of early on that looked like teletherapy and for all the families that stuck through us with that, um, I'm very grateful because I suppose for us at that point, We'd never really done that. we'd never really had to, and it wasn't something that we were ever forced to explore. Um, I think, as an adjunct to what we do, it was quite effective, but it was definitely not the standard of which we held ourselves to within clinic based therapy it was it was it was a different a different way of doing, and it was um restricted in many ways by what it could provide.
0: Can you remember, cause I can, can you remember how you felt that, that meeting, um, you know, the meeting we're talking about where we were told that this is, this is how we're going to proceed forward with, with uh, therapy and positively in the fact that we're able to provide families a service. But can you remember how you were feeling at that time?
1: Um, I, I think it was, it was quite, quite a lot of shock, quite a lot of uh, feeling quite numb. I, I think, objectively now exceptionally grateful that we had uh, a very strong leadership team in being able to take charge in what that looked like because I think if it was left to me I would have been the guy sitting in the corner freaking out rocking back and forth for mm. quite a while um, and I, I, I don't doubt that there were moments for many of uh, many of our management team that that might have been the case um, but luckily by, by the point that it was delivered to us there was um, a pretty clear way of sort of making those changes and delivering delivering that service. And I, definitely a skill that improved over time. Um, as with anything, the more you do it, the better you get. And the, um, I suppose larger repertoire of activities that we developed um, that were appropriate to be delivered um, through video-based sessions. Um, but I think it was, I, I suppose for me, I really, I was very appreciative of the patience that a lot of our families and clients had for that situation like obviously we've got a very varied uh, clientele and and they have um, significantly different goals um, to each other and so at the time they were still willing to engage in therapy in something that looked a lot different and maybe wasn't as successful um, but they were still willing to give it a go which I suppose for us, uh, both from a sort of financial security perspective, mm. for me as a therapist and for the business, but also just from from trusting us to letting us into their home. I mean, I, I think it would have been quite confronting for many to be able to go, yes, this is a this is my lounge room mm. or this is my backyard, and 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 what can we do within this space? Um, and and I suppose relying a lot on uh, parents or grandparents or whoever was there to help deliver that so for something that would be quite simple for us explaining to a parent okay well this is this is what i want you to do i want you to move this couch over to this direction and i want you to grab this ball and 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 those kinds of things like the the patience that we received from so many families um in that process was was very humbling because i mean it was a crazy time for everyone Mm. um not just us and like there were people having to keep their kids home from school and um it, it it was, it was an uncertainty and it was something that I think brought a lot of anxiety. Um, so I think for me, it reintroduced a new baseline of, um, I suppose adaptability. Um, but then it also meant, so if like earlier this year we had to wear full PPE, the gown, the gloves, mm. the, uh, the mask and everything, it was annoying and it was sweaty. Um, but it meant that we were able to come back in. We were able to do in-clinic therapy. And if it meant that I had to wear a plastic bag that made squeaky sounds when I walked around and I had to bring four shirt changes because I was sweating like a pig, then um, that was what I was more than willing to do um, to get back to, to really getting into the nitty-gritty of what we were doing. Um, so, yeah, I think definitely... Definitely challenging. I, I don't think I'd want to rush back to doing it, but it, it has also meant that it is another option and another um, option that we can provide yeah. to families. And um, if there are moments where people can't make it in or because they're unwell or because they're isolating, we can provide that service. And that's something that we weren't able to do before because we hadn't had to explore that. Um, so it's a slight like silver lining in an otherwise unpleasant experience.
0: What I'm hearing is you're reflecting back on it going, Gee, that was hard at the time, but I am so grateful to be able to one have still work, two be able to provide therapy, and and have some more tools in my kit now to provide therapy for families. Yep. And that's, I guess, the, the the goal at the end of it is that you're able to build those skills. So
1: yeah, and and I think again, continually reflecting on the fact that at the time when all that change was happening, the the effort and the adaptability of sort of management at that time it, I c- I cannot imagine the after hours meetings and effort behind the scenes to be able to to make that happen um, I have the the uh, the pleasure of seeing elements of the other side because my wife manages a business and, mm. and the amount of stress that she was going through at that time fulfilling that role um, gave me insight into the fact that there is so much that goes on behind the scenes to I suppose adapt to something as significant as that and um while it's not something that you see, um, it is something that happens, and it is people making that happen. Um, and I suppose for us on the on the ground floor, just sort of being uh, quite grateful for for that um, occurring, because without that, we would be the ones having to make those decisions, and we would be the ones having to having to make that happen. Um, and while it is something that might have been possible, it would have definitely pushed us. Um, a lot further emotionally and in uh, in, our, in our mental health. So, yeah, very very grateful to be a part of a, a strong organization at that time.
0: As we've mentioned a number of times, you have
1: been an OT here for for ten years. Does it feel like ten years? No, no, not not really. I think some days it feels like it's been much much longer, just because so much has changed. Mm. Um, and then other days it feels much much less like when I think about sort of clients that I've seen for such a long time, I still remember them as the three-year-old coming into OT at Weymouth and now they're a 13-year-old yeah. at, at, uh, at Plus. And I, I think, yeah, it it definitely, it it just varies on the day. And Do you reflect
0: much on that? Do you reflect much on the clients that you have seen from the start? And, and when you were talking before about, you know, those sometimes it's hard to see that 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 progress. But over a longer journey with some of these clients, do you, do you reflect back on maybe the impact that you've had on them or the role you've had?
1: I think probably less on the impact and probably more on the change. I think um, especially as you see somebody grow from from a young child to a young adult and you start to sort of see – I don't know those milestones in life, like like talking to people about the sort of possibility of going for a driver's license or looking at plans for post school options, and thinking this is a person that I've seen since before they've started school, and and mm-hmm. it, it's just a crazy concept to have been given the opportunity to sort of walk alongside this family and the and this client for for ten years. It's 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 been a pretty amazing ride, and I think. Um, probably not many other sort of job roles where you would have that opportunity to exist with somebody for such a long period of time. Um, uh, and, I, and I think, again, just sort of the really, really nice opportunity for, I suppose, gratefulness and being able to be involved in that and have such a, a personal connection to their lives um, and and just not taking that for granted at any point and, And sort of, yeah, being really humbled by by that opportunity because we we know so much about what's happened in their life and the challenges they faced. And we've been there for the tears and we've been there for the joys. And I I don't know, it just feels like an extended family, really. Um, Are there
0: any particular memories that you have or uh, events that, you know have have kept you motivated to work here or shaped you or or even kept you hopeful for for the future because we you know we we do see a lot of really challenging situations but you know uh, hope keeps us going I think at times and and that hope that the the impact that we can make is is that that difference to that family or that to the individual Um, are there any stories or um, particular moments that, that you reflect on
1: um, I, I, I don't think sort of specific situations um, come to mind, but I think uh, probably probably just the continued opportunity to be pleasantly surprised. Um, I, I don't know whether that reflects on me being quite a pessimistic soul, but I think the opportunity to be able to continually provide opportunities for clients to be able to try something new and then have that wonderful opportunity where it actually goes quite okay um or when they sort of yeah try a new occupation even something as simple as like working at shoelaces for three four five years and then finally getting it and then reaching a point where it's just a normal thing for them to be able to just tie their shoelaces but knowing that it took so much time and so much effort um and it's something that so many people would take for granted, but for them is something they had to work so hard to achieve and often not of their own volition um but but then becomes just another skill that they have and it will retain for the rest of their lives is is quite amazing um yeah
0: what's your answer i guess to the question of as an ot what 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 is an ot to you
1: um I, i find it sort of if if we're in context within the therapy space, I think it's it's a much easier conversation to have. Um, maybe um, more so linking it to sort of I suppose the occupation that we're doing. So we're using we're using play to elicit an adaptive response to be able to achieve sort of progress towards agreed upon goals. It's it's something I suppose that for a lot of people can be quite Complex, but but ultimately, when it when it's boiled down, it's quite a simple process um, as far as explanation goes. Mm-hmm. But I find it like out in the wild, it is a much more challenging concept um, because I think with the delight of OT, it's so varied. Um, but the challenge is that because of that, it is so hard to explain. Like obviously, we can work with people from birth to death, with anything from sort of. Uh, anything from as specific as a hand therapist all the way up to sort of discharge planning on a ward and anything in between. Um, and so I think because of that, it does make it exceptionally challenging. So I find a lot of the time my explanation is not OT in general, but simply more a focus on what I do specifically in working with children and supporting them to have success towards goals in social realms, physical realms, um, self-care and emotional regulation. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think once once it's boiled down to the the doing bit, or I suppose the motivation and the goal focus, then it can sometimes be a lot easier to to get. But also, I mean, you pick your audience. You get some random that you that asks see that obviously looks bored two minutes in. You know, <laughs> yeah, just uh, help kids. Cool. Okay. Um, versus somebody who might be a little bit more invested. Hmm. And that's
0: interesting though, because I think I I would see that also as an opportunity to go well. I want to say I'm an OT and this is what I do and, and I'll explain to you and it helps that education. But I think at times you can go into that default of I work with kids. You're not that interested. I, you know, I, maybe I won't explain. Um, the other thing I'd say on that is, is, is play. So I, I do at times find that, that some parents who may not have been exposed to lots of different types of play or play and it's importance in development when they see our therapy. Dino's mentioned this as well. They look like they're playing, and Dino's response would be, "Thank you. That is exactly what we're doing. That's that's what we're. That's what our therapy is supposed to look like. So if we're doing it, we're doing our job." What What are your thoughts about play and, and and the the role of play, and not just for children, but play as adults as well?
1: Um, I I think ultimately, you know, as you've hit the nail on the head, like if it doesn't look fun, then I mean, it's not that we are not having success, but hmm. it 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 should be fun it should be motivating and the and the reason for that is simply because of that motivation once once they are motivated they're much more likely to persist with a task there's much more enjoyment and engagement and then suddenly they've experienced flow and they're not you're not pushing them through 10 more reps of something you're going oh let's let's try and get 10 more of the treasures down to the castle before mm-hmm. we get attacked by the scary dragon and suddenly it becomes something much more Uh, much more than simply working on those components that we know that we're supporting and that's the whole reason we're there. Um, But the context itself creates so much more opportunity for growth and engagement. Um,
0: I often go back to, and we've got it all around, a lot of our sites is that quote from Dr. Karen Purvis, which is, um, she mentions that scientists recently determined it takes 400 repetitions to create a new synapse in the brain unless it's done with play, in which it can take between 10 to 20 repetitions. And I think that in itself gives you an indication of how important play is.
1: Well, to to be able to have scientific backing, to say that it Mm. is so so powerful and effective, I suppose gives us a pretty good uh, response to Mm. those that maybe believe that it isn't a very powerful tool.
0: So on play then, what does play look like for you? Uh, I guess, what role does it have and how important is it
1: um, I I have the uh, the current joy of uh, having a, a six year old son, so every every weekend is uh, lots of play, lots of play, lots of lots of basketball, lots of bike rides, lots of playgrounds, and I I think at the moment I don't know which one of us is more motivated to do that. Um, probably probably still him, but I I feel like we're probably quickly more quickly than I want to going head to head head in the other direction. Um, But for the time being, it's a a wonderful opportunity to engage in sort of play spaces, playgrounds and continue to engage in activities that are intrinsically enjoyable, like in in the right context with the right social permissions. If I went to a playground by myself without a child, boy, it would not look so good. But (laughs) the joys of bringing a child along is suddenly it's socially appropriate for me to act like an absolute clown on a playground. Um, I think probably one of the most joyful ideas is the fact that as therapists, if you left us alone in one of the therapy spaces, we'd probably just play even if we didn't have kids around. Mm. Um, And I think that reflection on something that is often quite, uh, quite less prevalent in in adults. Like we don't have as many socially appropriate opportunities to engage in play and playful, playful uh, behavior. And I think, Often I probably see it more in sport mm. uh, between teams, uh, like like within teams and things. But I suppose there's just there's less opportunities to do so. Um, but it can be such a wonderful bonding experience with people, um, and just a, a really nice opportunity to engage with others.
0: Mm. I think the other thing that I ha- that I have found through the years uh, for, for play is it it is it is there. It doesn't it doesn't go away. What it looks like changes, and some people may not realise what they're actually engaging in. As an adult, it is play. So you think of you know number of adults that play video games or board games or are involved in you know fantasy football or whatever it is. That's essentially play, and it just changes as the person uh, matures and interests change. But I think you're right um, when you're working with with children, and you know when you're with your son, that play um, is so. Um, powerful and it, it is part of that intrinsic motivation you know i'm doing something that i enjoy i'm sharing that experience with someone else and that's forming positive connections and relationships and um you know forms very much a part of our our therapy um so if i get into a therapy room i am 100 percent stuffing around on equipment um testing things out and that's just probably why we enjoy the work that we do and why we're in the field that we are so um I think the other thing for me then um, is if I were asking you some questions, we've gone through some probably more um, in-depth, I guess, more serious questions, but playful questions can also be quite a good way to get further understanding of someone. Um, and I might just throw a few your way if, if that's okay with you. This might be the, what is the real Tyson like, okay? It's now,
1: a revealing moment.
0: It is. Now, what I would say is that I know... People might not know out there, but I know you are a big car man.
1: I enjoy, enjoy looking, but uh, not owning.
0: Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. I don't think either us can afford the cars no, that we, no, we, no, no. we, would like. But dream car. If we're thinking of dream car, is there one in mind, or is it multiple?
1: Um, uh, no, no budget restrictions. No budget. But, uh, probably Lexus LSA, <sighs> LFA. Sorry, apologies.
0: Yeah, it's okay. I know what you're talking about.
1: Um, but budget budget restrictions probably a, a little s- sensible i30n enough to mm-hmm. have fun under the speed limit mm-hmm. but also fit the fit the uh, fit the family and all the shopping in the boot and
0: and not look too
1: uh, oh, no, out there oh no no sensible yeah yeah okay um
0: favorite toy or figurine
1: as a child um, it, uh, linked to a somewhat emotionally tumultuous moment, I got a, uh, red Power Ranger. Mm, and the red one. The red one. Yes. red one. And, and was exceptionally proud of said Power Ranger, so obviously had the idea to bring it to school. Oh, geez. Uh, much to mum's continued discussion as to the fact that maybe it wouldn't be sensible to bring an exceptionally awesome toy to school, I decided to bring the awesome toy to school. And uh, surprise, surprise, I had a sad ending and the toy disappeared. So, um. uh, yes, I, I, I think other than that, just uh, lots, of, lots of toy cars, blocks, um, army figurines, those kinds of traditional boy toys, mm. which probably didn't help me too much in the uh, pretend play department. But, uh, well,
0: there's plenty of pretend play with Power Rangers and, and co. And
1: Valid. They have less tea parties, though.
0: Well, depends which Power Ranger you have. That is but, a valid, valid, point. But anyway, hey, who, who, who says that army men with guns can't also share a spot of tea? The English did. The English. World War One. It's <laughs> a lot of that. Um, favorite board game.
1: Um... Again, another tumultuous one. Oh, there are lots of <laughs> negative <laughs> memories
0: about games and figurine stuff. So.
1: I, I would, I would say um, that we used to have a. I can't remember the exact name, but it was like a, a fishing-based board game. Um, oh, when it
0: spins around and you've got the the magnet. No, 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 oh, no. That okay. that does sound cool,
1: though. Yeah, that's I like good. that. Um, no, this was, I suppose, like a. I think maybe like a knockoff Monopoly, but fishing-based. Okay. Um, but uh, again, as with any family-based board game, there were. Um, Many many times that maybe it brought joy and and many times that maybe it uh, didn't and and so I suppose it goes the way of many board games you play it for a while everyone's having a good time someone gets annoyed and then eventually it goes into the cupboard and stays. That's um, so, <laughs> why we teach
0: social skills now. Uh,
1: yeah, in your our ability theory. to be able to lose um, with um, with with some control and some dignity. Um, I'm I'm still working on it. That's but, okay. Uh, we'll, we'll get there one day.
0: Mm. Favorite kids TV show
1: and why? I. Have very 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 fond memories of Hey Arnold. Oh, um, I you think
0: know that that intro is absolutely is fantastic. Fusion jazz at its finest.
1: I I think um, it came at the perfect time for me. Is as, as I suppose the slightly rebellious um, different different ways of living and and obviously the animation and music were fantastic. Nickelodeon um, quality, of course. Oh, absolutely, always brilliant. always good. Um, and 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 then probably now, like you can't go past Bluey. It is unmatched in its ability to be able to pluck at the heartstrings and make you laugh. And uh, the the quality and standard is has remained absolutely fantastic.
0: I think the the benefit of Bluey is the episodes are short, and I have often found myself watching it well past the fact that Felix is well and truly onto something else. And I'm sitting there going to the next episode and he's doing something else.
1: I, I feel like as long as they're in the room. Yeah, look, as long as
0: you've got an eye on them, it's fine.
1: No, no, But I just simply from a social perspective. Right, anyone yes, walks sorry. in Oh, this was on yeah. because my child was watching in there. Yeah, yeah,
0: no. yeah. Okay, so the next one, you're trapped in a lift and can only choose one of the following to save you. Okay. Who do you choose? So here are the options. Um, who do you choose and why, sorry, here are your options. MacGyver, you know MacGyver, Yep, of course. Uh, Indiana Jones. Yep. James Bond. Yep. Or just firefighters.
1: Uh, like, I, I, I understand why people would choose MacGyver, Indiana Jones and James Bond because obviously it would create a wonderful opportunity to then lead into an action sequence, explosions and possibly engagement in other activities. But I, I feel like... The conservative in me is winning, and maybe it might end up being firefighters. Um, I'm, I'm concerned about the the lack of press that my fiery death may receive, um, <laughs> and whether that would be worthwhile for the all that sweet, sweet action. Um, so yeah, I, I think I'll I think I'll settle on the uh, the conservative firefighters. So
0: you're thinking headline: man dies in fire alongside MacGyver.
1: I just don't think I would compete, and mm. I, and, I, and I think I mean look inherently MacGyver's probably going to make it out, and I'll just be this sort of uh, background character, and I, I don't know. It's it's not how I see myself going down. Fair enough.
0: Would you rather see the future or go back in time?
1: I would be uh, probably hesitant to go into the future. I think knowing what's coming would be maybe more concerning than I wish. I, I think if I could bring things back with me, it would be going back into the past. Not anything that would change the world, but like toilet paper and... um. I don't know, maybe something simple in the way of medications. Mm. Um, But, yeah, I, th- I think that would be an interesting... I, mean, I suppose it depends on who you end up being as well. Like, mm. obviously, social hierarchy was something much more uh, complex and challenging at that time. But, yeah, no, I'd like to avoid the future. It seems a little bit uncertain for me.
0: Yeah, I think the future is, as you said, a scary thing. Sometimes I want to know the future, mainly so I know, you know, Am I going to get upset at this sports result? Um, yeah. Am I going to be bothered watching it? Yeah. No, nope, I can choose not to. You know, it's kind of like um, uh, Back to the Future, the almanac. Yeah, that's ultimately, you know, making cash off knowing the uh, results of sporting events.
1: Definitely. So maybe like a little little short jump. Sorry, I should have c- clarified
0: that it's predominantly my thinking of. I want Biff's Almanac <laughs> so that I can use that money
1: to build more OTFCs. It all makes more sense. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Definitely. To the future we go. <laughs> um, Just one more. So we've talked a lot about clinician, a bit about family life, finding that balance between work and, and home. But when you are feeling down or need something familiar to cheer you up, what what's your comfort blanket? What is something that you go to that just goes, ah, oh, yep, this is exactly what I needed?
1: I, I, I mean it. It does sound corny, but I, I suppose just family being at home, being at home with my wife and my son, and mm-hmm. and sort of the the security and the consistency that they provide. Um, I, I we're really lucky to have a pretty awesome team here as well, and it gives us an opportunity to debrief at the end of a pretty tricky day, um, which I think is is important because you have that context, you can sort of feedback about how something is quite challenging and you don't need to explain too much for others to be able to understand. I think external to the workplace that can be quite challenging. Like obviously with any specific work role, if you're in the job, you know the job and you know how challenging it can be and you can understand each other's perspectives quite easily. Um, And I think without that peer support, if we were in a role where we were independent OTs, maybe within a community role, I think this would be an exceptionally taxing um, occupation to engage with long-term because the support that we can give each other, um, both practically as far as therapeutic advice, but also just personally and that emotional support and um, coming out of a really tough situation or tough session or hearing some really tough news and I suppose just doing the over-enthusiastic sigh or <laughs> whatever we do to draw others mm. in. And then getting the getting the support from our peers is, is something that I value greatly and something that I don't think you could ever replace with anything other than a supportive group of people.
0: It's a lovely place to end. Thank you, Tyson. Um, very much enjoyed having a chat to you and also for contributing to the uh, integration station.
1: My pleasure, Michael. Thank you very much for having me.
0: Thank you so much for listening and for your continued support please subscribe to the Integration Station on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And feel free to give us a short review if you have 30 seconds. If you have any questions you'd like discussed, Dino and I hope to have a Q&A episode in the future, so please send any questions to the Integration Station email, podcast at otfc.com.au, or via the OTFC website, otfcgroup.com.au forward slash podcasts. And we'll try and answer them on an episode. And as always, shout out to you, Fletch. Until next time, it's goodbye from me. Could you imagine the the jobs in some bizarre world that they they weren't actors? What would they be doing? Mm. Like just seeing Richard Dean Anderson, not MacGyver, but. At, insert at ot
1: yeah ot or tag and test or there you go fire safe